Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 182 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show helps developers to take a step up in their skill set with a focus on making complex topics approachable, regardless of skill level. He is a Microsoft MVP for .NET, has authored seven courses for Pluralsight, and has delivered more than 300 technical presentations across the United States and Europe. So welcome to the podcast, Jeremy Clark. Hi, it's great to be here. So Jeremy, can you maybe tell us a little bit about some of the courses you've written for Pluralsight? I have seven courses, as mentioned. The two most popular ones, the first one is C-sharp interfaces. And that actually came out of a struggle that I had as a young developer to understand what interfaces were, the reason you'd want to use that type of abstraction. And so once I learned that, I had to share that with other people. The same is true of the other course that I have out there that's pretty popular, which is an introduction to dependency injection. And that's primarily because I found people get introduced to dependency injection backwards. They're kind of given an application that has a DI container in it and told good luck (laughs) without trying to understand any of the concepts. So again, that's kind of how I was thrown into it. So I'm trying to untangle the mess for other developers. Right. Okay. And that sort of leads you in terms of what you've been doing around helping developers to improve their skill sets. And, uh, and presumably you're, you're very much of the mindset of teaching and learning. Oh yes, definitely. Basically I do a lot of conference speaking, which I love doing. And I have about, there's probably about 20 topics now that I speak about regularly. And they're all things that I struggled with as a developer that became really important to me. And so being able to share that and help people get over some of the speed bumps I had to go through, I find that really rewarding. So Jeremy, can you share a top career tip with the audience, one they perhaps don't know and should? So this is something that I didn't learn until pretty late in my career, which is get involved with things outside of work. So I'm not encouraging people to you know, spend all their nights coding and things like that. I'm more interested in getting involved with people. So even if it's going to a meetup once a month where you just talk to other people who are in your industry or your area of expertise, it's amazing. So I was very fortunate as a new professional developer. I was on a very productive team, a very sharing team, a very mentoring team. And so I... I did very well at learning in that environment. But once I started going to user groups and local code camps and meetups and things like that, my world got a lot bigger. So now I'm encountering people who are working with different tools that I'm working with. And so I can find out what they're good at, what they're not so good at. Sometimes I run into people who are working with the same tools that I'm doing, but doing things in a different way. And sometimes they're doing them in the same way. So I can kind of get confirmation that what I'm doing is pretty good, or I can get new ideas of how to improve things. And so, you know, once I started just getting outside of my local environment, things just got so much bigger. 
So you mentioned meetups in particular. Is that something you attend yourself? Unfortunately, not so much recently. So uh, up until two years ago, I was in Southern California, which is a pretty large metro area. Within 80 miles of where I lived, there were about a dozen .NET-related user groups, and .NET is the area that I'm currently in right now. So it was easy to find a user group, and I had a local one that I could attend regularly and kind of see the same people over and over again, and then kind of visit other areas as well on occasion. Um, I moved up to northern Washington State last year, so I'm in the, or two years ago, so I'm in the Pacific Northwest now. And unfortunately, the closest user groups are about an hour and a half drive away. And so it's a little difficult to get to those on a regular basis. But fortunately, I'm, you know, kind of part of what I do is traveling across the country and speaking at different conferences and regional events. And so I'm getting my interaction through those things. You know, I'm on an airplane once a month these days. So I'm still getting that same type of interaction. Unfortunately, it's not kind of that regular, you know, the second Tuesday of the month thing that I was used to previously. Sure. So yeah, obviously the the fact you're traveling around and speaking at conferences, obviously you engage with a lot of different people and therefore that's expanding your your world as it were on a regular basis. But but if you were sitting at home or or remote, what would you recommend to somebody else who was in a similar situation? Well, that's actually something that I'm trying to work on myself because I'm trying to think, you know, is there a way that I could do, for example, like a virtual user group? Because I know there are a lot of people who aren't in metro areas. You know, I'm I'm in a town of 10,000 people right now, and it's uh, mostly lumber. So there, there's a lot of lumber and industry here, but not too much in the way of IT and, and career type things like that. Yeah, it's something I'm still working on. But I know that there's, you know, things that you can do to kind of feel sort of connected is listening to podcasts and other things. But unfortunately, you don't really get that same interaction where you can actually, you know, ask somebody questions and see how they're doing. So that's actually something I am trying to figure out. And hopefully I'll have a solution for that soon. (laughs) Yes, I think it's probably a challenge a lot of people have. So it'd be good, yes, if, if someone did come up with a solution at some point. I have a a lot of friends who are doing Twitch streaming and things like that right now. Um, There is a little bit of interaction there, but it does seem mostly one way. So I'd like to do something that's a little more collaborative so that people can, you know, get together and talk about the things that they're dealing with or questions or new technologies or whatever like that. Jeremy, can you share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? So fortunately, my career has been mostly boring. So I don't have any stories about the time I deleted the production database or anything like that, (laughs) which is fortunate. I spent the bulk of my career doing corporate development. So line of business applications for various business units at an enterprise level organization. And so there was one project that I was working on and I didn't have any interaction with the people who were actually going to be using the software. And I kind of learned something, which is if you have to go through three levels of project manager, you're never going to know exactly what the end users need. So I was, I was working with another person on this particular project and we came up with some really interesting solutions, but we're like, well, I don't know if they want to do it this way or that way. I don't know what they're thinking. And so we would go to the project manager and say, okay, well, 
you know, we have some mockups or we have some sample code and we'd like to get some feedback on this, you know, see if this, this works, you know, and the project manager would say, well, okay, I'll take a look at it and then I'll show it to somebody and then I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so basically we would say, okay, well, we've got a and B and the answer comes back is, well, we want F. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, in that situation, I knew we were not going to come up with anything that was useful to the the end users. And at the time, I was still kind of tentative in my career. I've gotten much bolder as I've gotten older. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I learned a lesson because that project failed. It was eventually canceled. It was just kind of like, well, you know, my manager said, work on it when you have time. And then it slowly fades away into nothing. So that really bothered me because I came up with some really cool solutions. I actually had a solution I was very proud of. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I'd love to show this. But, you know, that was time that was wasted. And it's time that I could have spent making some other user's life better. And that's really what I focus on is, you know, how do I make people's lives better with my software? So moving away from your worst IT career moment, can you perhaps tell us about your IT career highlight or greatest success? Something that I think about as a big success, it really has to do with understanding my users. So I was working on this project that had two parts to it. So we had an administration application, which was a desktop application, and we had probably 40 users who would use that. And then we had a web application for reporting, and we had closer to six or 7,000 users who were using that part. So we had those areas kind of split up based on what people would need. Well, there was one team, it's actually a team of two people, who were the administrators of the system. So most people who are using the administration app were more or less doing data entry. So they would go in, type in their events, and they'd be done. The administration team, however, they were in and out of this application all day long. It's what they did. They were going in, making sure there weren't conflicts between the various items that were entered and things like that. So just by chance, I happened to be in their office one day talking to them about something else. And one of the, one of the administrators was going through their process. And I saw that they went to the administration app and looked at the items that they needed to approve. They would click on an item and look at it. And then once they were done uh, approving the item, they would open up the website try to search for that item. And unfortunately, the search capabilities weren't real great on this application. And then they would print out a hard copy and stick it into their file cabinet. (laughs) And I'm watching this and I'm like, I didn't know you needed to do that. You know what? I can put a print button on your administration screen. (laughs) It's like, literally, I have the code. It will take me no longer than five minutes to do that. (laughs) And so that's something that I I went back and immediately did and pushed it out into the test environment and said, hey, what do you think about this? And it's one of those things that kind of sticks out for a couple of reasons. First, it really confirmed that knowing what your users need to do is really key to building effective applications. And I find that I can make someone's life a lot easier, and it's something that they wouldn't ask for. And one of those reasons is, you know, if if I would have asked the administrator, you know, why didn't you ask for a print button before? You know, the the answer is, well, you know, it's, I I don't know how much effort that is. You know, everything that you're doing is magical. So if it's a two-week process, it's totally not worth that. And so a lot of times they don't know the level of effort 
And they also don't know what we're capable of. Maybe they didn't know we were capable of printing from that application at all. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. They probably also saw it as a bit of, um, something they probably didn't think too much about It's something they just did. Yeah. Therefore they didn't really consider how much time it was taking. Yeah. It's great to identify inefficiencies like that and be able to provide a solution that makes a difference. Right. The other thing it does is it shows that you're on their side because the worst thing you can do is set up an adversarial relationship, right? I want to show that I'm on their side. And, uh, you know, that was my goal. I worked at this corporate job for 11 years. And so I got to know the various business areas I worked with very well. And I knew that I had succeeded because there was one application that was a little problematic on the data entry for this one team. And unfortunately, I couldn't fix the application, but whenever they had a problem, I would jump on it right away and say, okay, here's what you need to do to fix this record. Yes. And it wasn't the best situation, but I was responding extremely quickly to a situation I knew was bad. Now, I knew that I was successful uh, with that relationship because when, when the primary person left and someone new was coming in, one of the first things they did was say, oh, you know, Jeremy, come down to our office and meet the new person. I want to introduce you. And they're like, okay, Jeremy's going to take care of you. So if you run into problems here, <laughs> he'll take care of it. Yeah. And so that made me feel, you know, again, really successful because it's, you know, my job is to make these other people's work easier yes, exactly. and set up that good relationship. So Jeremy, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? Well, it's one of the few places where we can change the world really easily. You know, it's like we have this chance to make things better, more efficient, more productive. And in my world where I'm building software, I'm basically ripping things down and rebuilding it every five minutes. And it's like, that's a lot of power. Yeah. And it it's thinking about, you know what, there's a lot of things that we can do to free up time so people could do other things. And so that's the way I look at it. You know, I, I know some people <laughs> have had the unfortunate situation of, yeah, I wrote an application and they fired 12 people because they didn't need them anymore. <laughs> but I, you know, most of the, I haven't been directly involved with something like that, but a lot of times it's, you know what, I wrote an application that frees up six hours a week for this individual. And so now they can concentrate on other parts of their job that really require that focus. Yeah. I think organizations are changing in that respect as well, because as you say, it, it's more about now freeing up people's time to do other things rather than taking somebody's job away or making them redundant. Right. Okay. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Sure. I'm ready. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Well, it was really kind of automating tedious tasks. So I was an English major in college and uh, kind of had some uh, hobby technical experience, but nothing professional. I was working in hotel reservations of all places. And there was a situation where the assistant manager would have to put the schedules together every week. And she just used an Excel spreadsheet. And because of various union regulations and seniority rules and all these other things, it was really tedious. She was kind of hand moving things around on this spreadsheet to do the weekly schedule. And I came up with a way of, oh, well, let me make a pivot table. And now you just have to put 
the items in this one little table, and then it automatically creates the the output schedule, the grid that you need to post for you. And to me, it's like, uh, again, it was just like, oh, I can automate things and make it better. Okay. Um, can I get paid for this? <laughs> so that's really kind of what started me down the path that actually, that eventually led me to be a professional software developer. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Best career advice I've received is actually from David Neal. And he's uh, speaking internationally. I've, I've met him at several different events. And he has a great saying, which is, you don't have to ask permission to be awesome. <laughs> yes. So the idea is that it doesn't matter how you get the job done. If you're doing it awesomely, your boss isn't going to care. So if you have a situation where, oh, we don't do test-driven development here because it takes too much time. Well, <laughs> if you just do it and show that you're producing software and it's maintainable and you're doing it faster than you were doing it before, you know what? Your manager's not going to care at that point. So yeah, you don't need permission to be awesome. And conversely, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? So the worst career advice I received was just do what they pay you to do. And this was more in a consulting environment where it was, you know what? They're paying you to do a specific job. It doesn't matter if you don't think they're headed in the right direction. Just do what they tell you to do. I actually did that. I was on a contract once where I did that and things weren't going well. And so I actually, based on my previous experience of the, you know, I'm three steps away from the users, I'm never going to know, I actually alerted the project manager and I said, okay, I know that my place here is really to, to build what you want me to build based on what your marketing team is telling you. But what I would really like to do is go out into the field and see the users who are currently using the software and see where their successes and struggles are so that as we're doing this rewrite, this version two, we can solve some of those things and make it easier. And it, it, was, uh, it was good that I was able to bring that up with the project manager. And I think the project manager appreciated it. And uh, you know, just the idea of being quiet and do what they tell you to do that's not why they hire me. They hire me for my expertise and my problem-solving skills. If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would get involved with the outside world sooner. So I talked about how important it, it's been to my career to go to user groups and just be involved with other people in the developer community. I didn't start doing that until I was developing for eight years and so I think about how rapidly my career expanded after I started doing that. It's like, well, what if I'd started doing this six years before? You know, where would I be right now? Uh, just as an example, there was a time where I was looking for a new job. I had put in my, my notice at a job, and there was a community event that weekend. And I was talking to people and I was saying, yeah, so I'm looking for something new. And I had half a dozen people say, oh, Jeremy, yeah, we've got openings. Why don't you come see if this is the right fit for you? And that was just from knowing people in the community, the conversations that we've had, the um, you know, kind of the idea of how we approach software and problem solving and important of the user, importance of the users and things like that. So even though they hadn't specifically worked with my code, 
we developed this relationship where it's like, oh yeah, we would love to have someone like you on our team. So why don't you see if it's a right fit? Yeah. So again, it's the people relationships, the networking and so forth. Yeah, definitely. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on yourself? So I'm in the training space these days. And so um, I have my Pluralsight courses and uh, two of them are actually doing really well for me. And so that's um, helping me financially. But I really like the in-person engagements because when I'm standing in front of a group of people and, you know, again, helping them get past some of those roadblocks, when the light bulbs go on, that's just the most rewarding thing for me. You know, so I just came off of this because a week ago I was at a conference in Boston. And so I got to see the light bulbs go on and I could be there and be like, you know what? I just changed the world a little bit there. And that's awesome because when I was building software, I could build an application that would impact a hundred people. But now I speak in front of a hundred developers and I can impact them and they're each impacting a hundred people. So I'm able to multiply my efforts and that's really rewarding to me. That's great to hear. Yes. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? It's really understanding the business. So again, I've been primarily in, you know, line of business software development. And so it's not just about the requirements that come through from the project manager. It's really understanding what is the business doing and how are we able to problem solve and add technology to help this. There was a time where uh, someone came in and they, ja- they just asked, they're like, we just want an online form for people to fill in because when they fax us forms, there's stuff that's blank. So we basically need validation on a form. But what we found when we dug into the situation a little bit deeper, it's like, oh, well, there's this other workflow that they have. And there's a way for us to automate this process and get things through to the final system. And we didn't really get into that until we fully understood how the users operated. And so understanding the business area is just as important, if not more important than understanding the technology. Yes, that's very true. Yep. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? I find that I have to refocus a lot. (laughs) So like I mentioned, I'm in the training space primarily right now, and there's some things going on in the .NET world that I'm not a big fan of because I'm thinking of how are the normal developers going to understand this? These are new things that are coming out that the experts in the fields are having trouble understanding. And I'm thinking about, okay, how's that person who's writing line of business software going to navigate the system? And so there's, there's times where it's like, oh, this is getting too complicated. Maybe I should just switch technology stacks and move to something else. But then I stop and think, and it's like, you know what? I can help those developers who are going to struggle with this. And so I can help them get over those humps to determine what things are important, what things are not important, so that they can be really effective. So once I kind of look, what is my goal? And my goal is really, you know, how can I be most effective kind of making the world a better place? And in my current situation, it's through software. Yep. And so the satisfaction of being able to tell or yeah, influence other people and, and uh, improve what they can do. Yes, definitely. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? So I read a lot of books. 
for some reason, about two years ago, I started collecting 1970s science fiction from used bookstores. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I have this very large shelf of books that I'm in the process of reading. Some of it's better than others. Some of it's actually excellent. And some of it is complete garbage. Um, in addition to that, <laughs> I pick up technology books and uh, I'm really kind of interested in books on how the mind works. So things that have to do with how we learn, how we think uh, books on mindfulness so that we can, you know, how do we focus and things like that. So those are kinds of the areas that I'm most into in the reading area. And then my wife works for the North Cascades national park at the moment. And so there's quite a bit of hiking, which is nice because The city I I live in is the gateway to the North Cascades. So we have this beautiful mountain range behind us. So I get to go out and tromp through it every so often. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't do any overnight trips. I just do day hikes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Jeremy, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? What I want to encourage people is that you have something to share. When I was doing my line of business development, kind of, you know, doing, I would call mediocre code all day long, you know, nothing really exciting. I thought it would be great to be able to speak in front of an audience at one of the tech conferences that I attended. But I was like, you know what? I don't have anything that anybody cares about. And it took some time, but eventually I came around and I found out, you know what? You don't have to be an expert to share what you know because there's somebody on the path behind you. Yes. So even if you're first starting out, if you're just logging, you know, here's the problems I came into, I ran into when I was trying to install this system, you know, just getting the software installed so I could start to develop in it. If you could just log that and say, here's the things that I went through, whether it's a blog article or something like that, then that's going to help someone behind you on the path. So you have something to share. Yep. Agreed. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? So online, I am Jeremy Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S. So I have a website, jeremybytes.com, and that has links to the resources I have online, whether it's videos on YouTube or Pluralsight courses or articles on my blog on, on various technologies. And then also I'm on Twitter as well, at Jeremy Bytes. So those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Phil. I really enjoyed it. As always, my thanks go to my guest on today's show. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. I also want to thank you for your continued support. It's always great to hear from listeners particularly when they have suggestions about potential guests or ways to improve the show. And this was one of the reasons for creating the new IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. I'm really excited about taking the podcast forward, and I hope that you'll continue to support and listen to the show as it continues to change and evolve. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.